Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. August Wilson is a, a figure who was important in his life, but in the years since he's passed, his legacy has really only continued to grow in Pittsburgh and throughout the world as a writer, as a playwright, and as someone who captured very important snapshots of life uh, in the city in the 20th century. His archives are at the University of Pittsburgh, and you might be surprised at some of the things that uh, that still exist uh, that scholars and the general public now can explore. On the line with us this morning is Dial Thomas. She is Outreach and Engagement Curator for the August Wilson Archives at the University of Pittsburgh. Good morning, Dial. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Also on the line with us is Bill Daw. He is a curator of the Curtis Theater Collection in the University of Pittsburgh Library System. Good morning, Bill. Hi. Nice to be here. And Leah uh, Mickens uh, is is on the line with us as well, and she's the August Wilson Project archivist. Uh, good morning, Leah. Hello. Thank you for having me today. Thank you all for for taking some time to to talk with us this morning. Uh, Diane, let me start with with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, August Wilson and his life. I, I, again, I, I feel like to some extent he needs no introduction, but yet there probably are, are, are younger people and even people who've been in Pittsburgh for a long time who, who are not aware of, of the scope of his work. Absolutely. So August Wilson was a playwright from Pittsburgh, from the Hill District. Um, but before he was a playwright, he was a poet. Um, and he really listened to the dialogue of the people in the Hill District. He really listened to his environment in order to capture the Black experience and really, you know, encapsulate it in his American Century Cycle, um, wherein he wrote 10 plays for each decade in the 20th century. Um, and so it's an amazing legacy to have. And I think that um, his work is still relatable to this day across many topics, across many people. Um, and we've seen several of his works made into um, movies. Yeah. So Fences with Denzel Washington and Viola Davis a couple years ago, and then Marini's Black Bottom as well. And what all exists, and, and whoever wants to jump in on this question, go ahead. Um, you, you may want to introduce yourself just for the benefit of the listener. But what all exists now in the University of Pittsburgh archives? There are quite a few things in the collection. Um, there are, as one would expect, there's lots of things relating to August Wilson's writing process. We have almost 700 notebooks in which Wilson um, wrote about um, a lot of things. Obviously, a lot of it is about the American century cycle. But especially in the 1970s, one sees a lot of other works that haven't been published this includes a lot of the poetry that he did as a as an emerging artist, short stories that were heavily influenced by Jorge Borges. Um, also, lots of to do lists, correspondence, 
Uh, he liked to doodle a lot, so we have quite a, a lot of his artwork, both in, in the notebooks and just on pieces of paper and other uh, objects. I knew I, uh, liked, he, I knew I liked him. I didn't know it was only because we both like to doodle while, while we're supposed to be working. But um, We also have lots of scripts, um, different iterations from each of the productions, productions, and also when he was hashing it out during the brainstorming slash... Um, initial writing process. Uh, there are a lot of awards that he received over the years, such as honorary degrees, um, awards from the Tonys, the two Pulitzers, a degree from the Carnegie Library as being the only person to receive a high school education there. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're talking with uh, Leah Mickens. She is August Wilson Project Archivist um, at the University of Pittsburgh. Also on the line with us is Bill Daw, who's the curator of the Curtis Theater Collection, and Dial Thomas, who's the outreach and engagement curator for the August Wilson Archives. Le- Leah, I apologize for interrupting you. I just wanted to make sure people knew what we were talking about. How did all of these materials come to live at the University of Pittsburgh? Uh, hi, this is Bill. Yeah. I think I can jump in and yeah. talk a little bit about that. The kind of acquisition was negotiated over a period of uh, several years with the August Wilson estate, which is led by Costanza Romero, August Wilson's widow. And uh, we agreed to acquire the collection in 2020, and it was packed into a tractor trailer. There was over... 450 boxes of material that were packed into a tractor trailer and driven across the country from Seattle to Pittsburgh in August of 2020. It arrived here. How long has it been since uh, August Wilson passed away? August Wilson passed away in October of 2005. Okay. We're, We're talking about the August Wilson archives, which are now at the University of Pittsburgh. That must have been intimidating to have a tractor trailer packed come in and how was it labeled? How was it stored? What what did you what did you confront when you found this this archive when the archive arrived? Uh, yeah, we're used to maybe not that same quantity of material coming in at once, but our uh, collections come into the archives and special collections here at the University of Pittsburgh Library System in all different manners of organization. And I have to say that the August Wilson Archive was not. The worst of those as far as how it was organized before it came to us. Um, almost all of the boxes had a, uh, a category and a description to it, and that was shared with us ahead of the collection's arrival, which gave us a good idea of uh, what kinds of things were going to be in the archive, but not at the granular level. But uh, yeah, I'd have to say that it was surreal that when it happened, because you know, it's something we've dreamt about for a long time, if, if I can say that. And um, it's definitely still something that um, it's hard to wrap your head around that it's actually here and that we actually have it. And now researchers have the chance to, to use these materials. Uh, Bill, I wasn't trying to make light of, of what you said, but I, I laughed because uh, there, there, were, there was um, something in your voice that implied to me that you, you've gotten collections in, in much worse shape. You, you've, you've gotten things, and probably because a lot of them are are probably much older, you know, from this, you know, 17th, 18th, 19th century thing like that, that, that they're, they're probably, and, and, and not labeled as, as well. 
Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, archivists sometimes have to do some uh, excavating from yeah. basements in the Pittsburgh area. And uh, I've seen some things. Well, not to digress, but if, if folks go to the University of Pittsburgh archives, and it may surprise some of our listeners to know that there's so much in uh, the university archives that is not directly related to the University of Pittsburgh itself, but is related to the Western Pennsylvania region, uh, going back to the indigenous peoples right up through the present day. There's architectural photos and railroad photos and advertising uh, imagery and, and scanned books and, and, and documents and so many things that, that are coming in in so many different formats. But And the August Wilson archives is now one of those things. Uh, we're going to have to take a break here in a minute or two, but before we do, I want to sort of stay on this this topic. I'm assuming that August Wilson, because he was a modern figure and, and lived into the 21st century, that some of his stuff was on paper, typewritten, but some of it was probably also computerized. Does are, are, are there is there a digital component to what was in the archives, and does that present any special challenges to the archivist? Yes, so there is a digital component. Um, most of the digital materials that we have came in on floppy disks. Oh, my. Um, yes, right. yes, which is really exciting, um, and some things on zip disks. Um, and so we do have a digital preservation librarian, and so we were able to extract that media from there. Um, but it does it does present a unique challenge um, trying to go through the process of processing and describing um, what can be a lot more files than you might have in paper. Um, one fun thing that I do appreciate in the digital files is that um, in the digital, you'll see him, you know, drafting outgoing correspondence. But in the analog files, you usually see the incoming correspondence. So maybe one day we'll do a little project where we'll try to match things up. We'll see. Yeah, I just was thinking that, you know, I and this is something that I've said in the radio uh, business is that I have, you know, 78 RPM records and, and old reel-to-reel tapes that play fine. But I have digital files that, that were created in the last 15 years that the applications to open them no longer exist. So... Uh, it is it it is a definite challenge um, as we get into the 21st century and into digital media. If we can pause Absolutely. right if we can pause right there and we come back, I, I want to talk about some of the treasures that uh, uh, Bill, Leia, and, and Dial that you all have found in the archives. And I also really want to get into what is on display and what is available for the, the public and, and what is going to be made available uh, for the public in the years and decades to come, okay? Great. Uh, we're talking this morning with Dial Thomas. She is Outreach and Engagement Curator for the August Wilson Archives at the University of Pittsburgh. Also on the line with us is Leah Mickens. She's the August Wilson Project Archivist and Bill Daw. He's the curator of the Collins Theater Collections in the University of Pittsburgh Library System. We're talking about the August Wilson Archives that arrived in a tractor trailer from Seattle back in 2020 and is now back uh, Back home here uh, at August Wilson's, where he grew up here uh, in Pittsburgh, PA. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes on Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, and Tube City Online Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Sport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Strifflers offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Strifflers also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifflers.com or call 412 678 
1-800-268-6191. Welcome back. We're talking about the August Wilson archives that are at the University of Pittsburgh and are now being cataloged and explored by the archivists in the university's library system. August Wilson, of course, the Pulitzer Prize winning uh, playwright who uh, documented so eloquently uh, and, and, and recorded so eloquently his impressions of growing up in, in Pittsburgh in the Hill District and uh, what it meant to be a Pittsburgher, and especially what it meant to be a black Pittsburgher uh, during the 20th century. Uh, on the line with us this morning are Bill Daw. He's a curator. Uh, Dial Thomas, she's Outreach and Engagement uh, Director for the August Wilson Archives. And Leah Mickens, who is the August Wilson Project Archivist. Uh, off the air, Leah, we were talking about, um, you know, you've got 450 boxes on a tractor trailer in 2020 that arrived in Pittsburgh from August Wilson's home. And I, I, I guess August Wilson, like me, you mentioned earlier, you know, he liked to doodle. Uh, he also took very copious notes in notebooks. What kind of condition are his notebooks in? The condition of the notebooks varies greatly. He wrote in, the main thing that he wrote on were yellow legal pads. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the kind that you get at CVS or Office Depot. Yeah. So they aren't, a lot of them are not in very good condition because you have to keep in mind that the earliest notebooks we have are from about something like 1968. Okay. And um, consequently, a lot of these are already stars starting to fall apart. The glue, or they just have, the, the glue is starting to dry out. The paper itself is starting to, to dry out. Yeah, the, the pages are falling out of the bindings. Um, there's dirt on them just because they're 50 plus years old. Um, in some cases, you can see scorch marks from cigarette ash. And last week, I even found one that looked like he had put it in the oven uh, to dry it out because it also had water damage. Because something spilled on it or it got, or it got in the rain or something, sure. Yes. Uh, we've all done that, yes. So just the fact that the notebooks are old, they're on cheap paper, uh-huh. and the fact that he himself probably put them through a lot of abuse makes it difficult um, for them from a preservation standpoint. What was he taking, if I can ask, what was he taking notes on? Were these interviews that he had conducted with people he had grown up with? Was this research into, because I mean, a lot of his uh, plays and and poems, they are, um, what's the word? They're historical fiction. You know, they're set in in different historical times. So what was this research? What what sort of things were in his notebooks? The notebooks are really kind of stream of consciousness and that there's no order to them. He just would write down whatever came into his mind at any given time. Sure. The earlier notebooks do have some kind of structure to them. Like, for example, they have um, some of the entries are actually dated and they're uh, chronological and they contain work notes from such and such a day and they contain what he did on that day. But after about 1973, this rudimentary order goes away altogether and it's just random stuff and i think this is going to be a challenge for researchers because i think a lot of them will probably assume that these are like journals or diaries in the the traditional sense where you have a date you have what he did and then you go on to the next one in the chronological order when in reality um, in many cases there's evidence that he started in a notebook maybe not even at the on page one uh, tossed it aside, came back to it in a couple of years, wrote it in again, tossed it aside, et cetera, et cetera. So for many of these, there's no firm dates on them because there's evidence that he was working in the notebooks at different points in time. 
no one is ever going to want to look at at my archives, um, but even if they did, uh, you know, as a, as a reporter, you take what's what are called scribble notes, and and they're not really intelligible to anyone else who, who wanted to go and read them. Um, and, and my point is, my handwriting is pretty bad. How, how was August Wilson's handwriting? Um, his handwriting was not good, and I feel like this is going to be a concern into the future, simply because a lot of younger scholars don't know cursive. Sure, and it's already a challenge for someone a lot who of does the know older... cursive. Yeah, for someone who yeah. does know cursive, they're already you're saying they're already having a challenge deciphering his handwriting. Yes. Okay. What? what and 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 I don't want to stay on that belabor that subject, but are, so are 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 you or are other archivists transcribing the notebooks or simply photographing, scanning them in, um, so so that other people can look at them or some combination of this? Uh, the notebooks are being scanned, but they're not being the scans are not being made publicly available. Rather, okay. they they exist in an intranet, and then when scholars want to look at, for example, Notebook 400, they would put in a request for that, and scans would be made of the notebook they're looking for. Yeah, we'd, uh, we'd make a user copy so that they don't have to handle the original, which is the originals are in poor condition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Bill Daw, uh, j- just checking in. What what sort of other things did August Wilson preserve? Because he was very, uh, I think, a voracious reader and and consumer of, of other people's writing and other people's work. What what other sorts of things did, did he save in in terms of other books, music, movies? Yeah. In a, in a, in with the 450 boxes, which predominantly like document his professional career, his writing process, there was also his personal collections of uh, books, music, and also his uh, film collection. Mm-hmm. So it's a wide ar- array of formats: VHS, DVD, CDs, cassette tapes, um, all the different kind of. Um, formats of vinyl records, and then about, I'd say about 3,000 books. There was about 100 boxes of books. And one of the main things that researchers want to know is, are the books annotated? And as far as we can tell so far, many of them, it does not seem that he annotated his his books. Meaning, did he take notes uh, in in the margins of ideas and things? Okay. Yeah. But a lot of the books... um, show what he was interested in, what, what he was reading. Um, and also like a lot of the books are gifts from friends and colleagues. And so there's inscriptions from some of those individuals that shows kind of his circle of, of friends and colleagues that, um, were sharing things with him. And of course, uh, you know, everyone knows how big an influence the blues was on Wilson's work. And there's a lot of, um, evidence of that in the music collection, but it also just you know shows like what pop records he liked, and you know it seems like he had a taste for opera and you know other things. And um, researchers are are interested in all of that as well. Uh, for people in Pittsburgh, obviously, um, we're all interested in at least the Pittsburghers I know are all interested in nostalgia. Everyone in Pittsburgh can tell you what used to be in a building, what used to be. Uh, at a certain location or some store that they used to go to or restaurant that they used to go to. Uh, is there a lot of nostalgic type items in there that, that would that would ping the memories of, of, of our listeners? Uh, did, did he save menus or magazines or, or, or newspaper clippings or books 
uh, about the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, I definitely, uh, Leah can talk about this a little bit too. There's, um, you know, in addition to writing in the notebooks, he wrote on just like found objects mm-hmm. a lot. And sometimes those touch on, on local history. Leah, do you want to talk about like the placemats and things like that? A lot of the kind of found objects that you're referring to date more to his St. Paul days mm-hmm. than Pittsburgh, as far as I can tell at this at this time. Um, as Bill mentioned, August Wilson liked to use found objects when he wrote. Uh, there are a number of menus from a restaurant called Bridgman's, which, from what I gather, appears to have been um, a an ice cream parlor okay. restaurant sort of place in the Midwest. Um, it's always interesting to look at those simply because the prices are so much lower. <laughs> uh, we we have another break coming up, but before we we get to that, let me let me ask, and either Bill or Leah, wh- whichever one of you um, wants to uh, field this, uh, why did the archive end up in in Pittsburgh and not stay in in Seattle or go to St. Paul, for instance? Again, a lot of his work is about Pittsburgh, but he spent so much of his life not in Pittsburgh. Why why do you think his his family chose Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, he definitely the, the August Wilson estate definitely had options. Mm-hmm. That, that's for sure. Um and you know, the director of the University Library System, Dr. Tancheva, you know, worked with Costanza Romero to to um impress upon her that we would uh this would be one of our marquee collections and obviously beyond the the Pittsburgh connection that if this went to another institution, it would be kind of in a long list of other kind of luminaries that they have. Whereas the university of Pittsburgh, you know, we're going to treat this um, a certain way for the long term, And also because of all the other kind of organizations that are active in Pittsburgh that we are already partnering with, which Dial can go into much more detail than I can uh, with the August Wilson House and the August Wilson African American Cultural Center, um, partnering with all of those institutions with the archive being in Pittsburgh gives us the opportunity to get into a lot of different programming and, and things like that. Let, let's pause right there. And then when we come back, then let, let us let us pick that up with uh, Dial talking about the engagement opportunities and especially the complementary opportunities uh, with other uh, African-American artists and performers, uh, and, and especially in the worlds of blues and jazz. OK, sounds good. Uh, we're talking this morning about the August Wilson archives that have uh, arrived at Pittsburgh uh, in 2020, 450 boxes and all in a tractor, a trailer truck and are now being cataloged, preserved and made available to scholars and and to the general public in, in, in some cases, and we're going to talk about that after the break. On the line with us are Dial Thomas, who is Outreach and Engagement Coordinator for the August Wilson Archives. Also, Bill Daw, who is the curator of the uh, Curtis Theater Collection at the University of Pittsburgh Library System. And Leah Mickens, who is the August Wilson Project Archivist. This is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, and we'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. This is a Tube City Almanac. Tube City Online Community Event Announcement. The DEA 24th National Drug Take Back Initiative will be held on Saturday, April 22nd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the North Versailles Township Police Department. This event is an opportunity for the public to safely dispose of potentially dangerous controlled substances and other pharmaceuticals. 
Back for a final few minutes talking about the August Wilson Archives at the University of Pittsburgh. And online with us are some of the people who are working with the collections that arrived here in 2020, including uh, Dial Thomas, who is the Outreach and Engagement Coordinator for the August Wilson Archives. Dial, uh, what are some opportunities for the public to uh, see and engage with some of the materials that have been preserved from August Wilson's life? Absolutely. So one really important thing to the University of Pittsburgh Library System is to make sure that the collection is accessible and used by the community and by the public. We're so lucky that the collection could come home to Pittsburgh, um, and we want to make sure that Pittsburghers have a connection to it. So um, with that, we are launching extensive community and outreach efforts. So we have several paid opportunities. Excuse me. Um, We have several paid opportunities first for students. So we are looking to work with PPS high school students to come in, do research in the archive um, and create a creative project and exhibit something of their own choosing and guidance. And that opportunity pays $750. We also have an opportunity for educators mainly in the PPS system, but, you know, broadly in the Pittsburgh area um, to come use the archive and to create either an instructional resource, a curricula, um, an activity, something like that, um, utilizing materials from the archive, you know, of course, with support from Bill and Leah and myself, and that opportunity pays $1,500. We have an opportunity for artists and scholars um, in the local Pittsburgh community to come and create something, to lead a workshop, to lead an event, Um, to, you know, write a paper, make a presentation, share something publicly about research that they do in the archive that pays $2,000. And then we do also have an opportunity for researchers outside the Pittsburgh region to come and use the archive as well. And then along with that, you know, my role is definitely dedicated to working with all community groups and organizations um, and bringing the archive to them, bringing them to the archive, um, sharing with them, planning events, planning workshops. Um, We've got some really exciting stuff coming up this summer, some more creative events, um, some things around, you know, like soundscapes, sound design, some things around self-portraiture, some things around drafts and the writing process around set design. So the archive is really rich with opportunities um, and how you can work with it. So I really hope to work with lots of different types of people let me let me ask a a question and you've kind of answered this question already but let me just Mm -hmm. just to to drive it home um for the august wilson fan for someone who hears this (laughs) and has gone to see the plays in the pittsburgh cycle or maybe is just familiar with the the movie versions of fences Mm -hmm. and and ma rainey um Mm -hmm. or maybe you know in in high school or college read the plays in in a literature Mm -hmm. class and they just want to see something they want to touch something or touch something or or experience something that august wilson um worked with is there anything on display publicly that that people can go look at right now absolutely so in hillman library we do have um, an exhibit case that will always hold wilson materials right now it is featuring seven guitars Um, but beyond that the public is always welcome to come visit us in Hillman Library to our reading room and to look at materials in the collection. You do not have to be a researcher or a scholar. You do not have to have a research project in mind. Wanting to come and just look at a box of materials related to fences is a totally valid reason to come visit us and to come look at stuff. So we welcome that as well. With some caveats that, you know, the, 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 these these items are fragile and they need to be treated as if they are fragile. Um, Absolutely. And, and you don't have to be a University of Pittsburgh student or or alum or anything either to, to come and to visit the Hillman Library and see these things. That's correct. You do not have to be affiliated with the University of Pittsburgh at all. Um, most of the researchers that we've hosted so far since the collection opened have not been from the University of Pittsburgh. So if a student 
student or a theater or community theater organization or or just someone who is is doing some some history writing wanted to to work with these materials what you're saying is they can look it up on the website and see what's actually in the collection before they jump on a bus or drive down to to Hillman Library to take a look. Absolutely, yes. The finding aid, you know, it contains the the, uh, arrangement and the contents of the collection. And of course, we are available by, you know, email or phone call or Zoom meeting um, to consult with people before they make their trip. What an amazing asset to have and and what an amazing uh, opportunity. Uh, Hopefully the opportunity is not insurmountable as as a boss of mine used to say. Uh, what an amazing opportunity uh, to be an archivist and, and to get to go through uh, August Wilson's uh, notes and, and the things that, that made his work possible. Uh, thank you, uh, Leah Mickens, uh, August Wilson Project Archivist, for taking some time to talk with us this morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you also, Bill Daw, curator of the uh, theater collection at the University of Pittsburgh Library System. It was great talking to you. And Dial Thomas, uh, Outreach and Engagement Coordinator for the August Wilson Archives. Thank you uh, for taking some time to talk with us as well. It's been a pleasure, Jason. And thank you all for listening this morning to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.